This is a HeadGum Podcast. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy. Like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I'm a phenomenon! We love America! This level of foolishness and joy. Losers, in other words. <laughs> now watch this drive. Great ass! Damn it! I don't like that. Hey, you're ugly. You're disgusting. You're fucking tasty. A little bit of money got in my life. Yeah, baby. Uh, Jesus' name, amen. Happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> we'll be. <laughs> Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. I'm Carol- Caroline. Oh, I'm Kevin T. Horror and the T. Samster Terror. We're going to have Good Christian Fun for one last time for Hell Month. Hell Month is concluding. Uh, We're leaving hell. Sad We're so to say sad goodbye. To see it go. it's toasty in there. But don't worry. Hey, you can come back anytime. We always got a spare room for you. We have a guest room. It's decorated beautifully. Yeah. Gorgeously. Fresh towels. Thank you, Carman. Thank you, Carmen. It's well, monogrammed with Carman's initials and Satan's initials on it. Isn't his. Isn't his. They, you know, you think of Carmen as the greatest showman, but he's also the greatest host. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, it's all a performance when you think about it. So true. Making people feel welcome. Good Christian Fun is the podcast where we talk about Christian pop culture, the music and the movies and the entertainment made for, made by, and sometimes made about Christians, Christianity, but we're not here to make you f- go to church. <laughs> <laughs> and then Maybe pea soup comes out of my <laughs> mouth. <laughs> we're not here to make fun of you or make you go to church. We're just here to have fun. Yeah. When Caroline sees me malfunction and all I can do is look at her and tear. Yeah. That's sometimes the scariest thing that can happen to a podcast host. It is. And, you know, I'm kind of watching, like, do I jump in? Do I let him work it out? (laughs) Do I let him cook (laughs) or do I let him sing? (laughs) Do I let him burn himself in the kitchen? Usually I let him cook. We've been watching religious horror movies all month long. And we're concluding with a Pantheon, Canonical, Capital G, great 50-year-old horror movie. Called The Exorcist. Last week, we watched The Pope's Exorcist. The Pope's Exorcist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. This demon is spicy. He's pool. riding on my Vespa all the way home. Go, 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 go. Let's take a care of business. <laughs> Russell Crowe, iconic performance. <laughs> you do wish, like, the Spike TV Man Awards were still around. Do you remember that? When, like, the Spike Awards, I think it was called. Yikes. And I've... The one I remember is David Fincher and Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. 
accepted an award for Fight Club many years later. It was like, oh, we're good. Like, cause that movie came out in 99. I think it was like 2005 or 2006. We're like, they're like, hey. They like come back for the man award here. for movies. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, especially with Ed Norton. Do you think Dexter's growling at me because I'm wearing a hat? He hates your guts right now. <laughs> What's going on? It might be on? the hat. Take the hat off and let's see if anything changes. I'm going to take the hat off. Ooh. And see what happens. Any? Oh. <gasps> No, it's still going. Well, he's also... What'd you do to him? I didn't do Jack Diddley to him. I'm on his side. <laughs> I think he might... You know how sometimes in horror movies, you know something's off... Like in, like in The Omen, which is the first movie we watched this month, you, you know something's off when the, the animals are growling and the dogs are barking. The baboons attack your car. Yes, subtle hints like that. Perhaps Dexter is sensing something's off because I've been possessed... By a demon all day. And you know what demon it is. What is it? It's a demon of spilling stuff <laughs> all over, everywhere. I spilled cold brew on the rug. I spilled Dr. Zevia on my wet tush. Moments ago, he yeah. made a puddle in his chair. Yeah, which, you know, depending on the podcast episodes, happens. It happens. But I did it so uh, irresponsibly and needlessly. Well, that's normal. That's just neighbor stuff. Don't that's worry. true. Yeah. But anyway, while he's distracted. Dexter's ready to cast out. <laughs> he's drinking some holy water. He is. Whether whether we're ready or not. But while we're at it, let's introduce our very special guest for the episode. Friends and folks returning once again. You may know him. He's a writer and director from Everything Sucks, from The Voyeurs, from the upcoming film Immaculate. Give it the hell out for Michael Mohan. Never gets old. I love this song. All two times you've heard it? No, I I listen to this song all the time. Really? In, Never. Uh, in oh, yeah. Oh, we oh, talked about is, that. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. I know all the lyrics to this song. Um, it. You know, she just, Amy, just put out a new live album. Did you see that? From thir- from 34 years ago. It's like, lead me on, 1989. Live? <laughs> yeah. Amy live. Amy it's just, live. And it's 89, so it's pre-9-11. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. Amy post 9-11 was not the same. <laughs> pre, pre baby, baby, pre. <laughs> yeah. When she came out and said like each baby was one of the towers. <laughs> First baby was North. <laughs> second baby was South. <laughs> so it became a, it became a beautiful tribute. Like that to- share song. <laughs> Caroline <laughs> once described the 1999 song share at believe uh, by share as the song inspired by 9-11. <laughs> Coming out two oh. years prior, somehow. Uh, she performed it later. She did. Yeah. Well, so she retconned its meaning. She did. I, I think. <laughs> Listen, we need to allow space for art in our lives, for music, film, and books to take on different definitions at different points in the history and in time. You know, let it evolve in some ways. Maybe something that was once not about September 11th all becomes about that. Trying to think of a second example of what mm-hmm. that might be. Yeah, Michael, do you have any thing that has changed in meaning? Like Flubber was about you know science versus faith. Well, I mean, I, I think I think in a weird way, The Exorcist is one where it could be about it, you know you could it could be about your relationship to religion or your crisis of faith, or mm-hmm. it could be about parenting an unruly child. Sure, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> Definitely. Being a single mother. Yeah. Or <laughs> sure. Or just having a kid who's, you know, 
yeah, there, there are times where, uh, uh, my daughter has like, you know, they just go crazy. Yeah. They just turn into a demon. Yeah. And you can't control them and it's just, you don't know what to do. And I think that frustration, you know, so seeing, seeing, I really, yeah, with this film that my relationship to this film has definitely changed and became about other other things beyond what the original. You used to was. relate to Reagan a lot more. <laughs> exactly. Now you relate a lot. Exactly. My Mike used to watch Ellen. and be like, "She's so me." When <laughs> she, she was just spinning right. around, tell them and <laughs> get his ass <laughs> when the priest is getting all <laughs> flopped around and stuff. And we're bookending the month with the Omen and this movie, both of which the the underlying premise are like kids are kind of a lot sometimes. Huh? <laughs> kids might be a little much. Gracious. So thanks for coming back, oh, Mike. I'm glad to be here. Onto the show. Man, how have our lives changed in the last year since we watched The Apple? We watched The Apple. Was that a year ago? Or was yeah. that? Oh, wow. Or was it two? I think it was longer. Whoa. Because last year I was just had my head down on this. I, I haven't. Oh, yeah. I'm like coming out of hibernation right now. Am the I Apple even? was 2021. Whoa. Yeah. Two years like, ago. Okay. How have yeah. our lives changed in the last two years? Damn. Have they at all? Mine certainly hasn't, other than a rug that I immediately yeah, ruined. Your possession. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's just I, I have this, I just have this new movie, you know, that's 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 it. And we can Everything. talk about it a little bit, right? Little, a little bit. Yeah, a little yeah, bit, yeah. Because it's it's yet to be released. Yep. It's, it's, well, you know. I finished the, all of the work that I could do on it. I finished yesterday. Mm-hmm. So. Everybody out there, if you're listening, raise a glass. <laughs> Mr. Mohan. A pea soup filled glass. (laughs) (laughs) It's a communal cup. Well, the thing I'm interested in because uh, the film is called Immaculate currently, Mm -hmm. or is that the working title? No, 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 that's what it's called. Final title. Yep. It'll be released at some point. And it is a a horror movie that does sort of mix the spiritual and profane religious horror. You could cover it next October. If it comes out before next October, you could totally cover it next October. It's absolutely falls into this canon 100%. So given yeah. your background with uh-huh. the church and faith and everything we talked about a couple yeah. years ago, did you have any guiding sort of principles? By the way, I think Dexter is possessed. If you look at him behind, he's flipping and <laughs> flopping around. Like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's happening. Dexter, Baron, to go to did he just scream Marin? <laughs> Has anyone ever had to Priest perform an exorcism Marin. on a dog? <laughs> no. He, he said Marin, but he's talking me. about WTF with Mark Marin. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Marin. That's how you know something's wrong. He liked his new interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger where they got into... Uh, their political differences a little bit. Mm. Yeah. But for making a religious horror film, were there Mm -hmm. any guiding principles or anything where it's like, even in your fandom and your consumption of horror, like in, of a religious nature, such as the movie we're talking about today, that you want to reflect, that you want to stay away from, or even like tenets Um, of like, this is what makes it a religious sort of horror film. I I can, oh boy, I can go more into detail about it after it comes out. But the thing I can, the thing I can say about it is like that I did really want to capture what it, the magic of what it feels like when you are devoted, you Mm -hmm. know, or when you are devout and, and that shift that happens when, when, you know, that voice in the back of your mind goes, Hey, is this, is this, is this all it's cracked up to be, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so I really did want to capture that sense of awe, I guess, um, at the beginning of the movie, which 
then obviously spirals into a bit of a nightmare, but, um, but yeah, so I was bringing that to it. And then, yeah, when, when, <laughs> if, if, if you were to cover it next, uh, next October, I can talk about very specific things that I drew, I drew from my own life mm. with it, um, specifically involving my mom. Yeah. I would imagine so. Yeah. It feels like I, cause I saw an early cut of it. Yes. And it felt very personal in a lot of ways, like a lot of the story did. I'm surprised that, you know, this is a movie that it came, it came together so quickly, you know, where basically um, my friend said she had a hole in her schedule and, and was like, you know, I'm trying to make a horror movie and I have this little window. So come, you know, will you, will you, will you help me will this into existence? Mm -hmm. And of course I jumped at the chance and, and you know, it, it, I was really far out of my comfort zone in just in terms of like how the film was coming together because typically you you have it all in your head as you're before you go into production. And here we just sort of had to um like build the car while you're driving it. Yeah, exactly. Thing. A yeah. little bit, a little bit, but not, you know, we had we had really great resources. It was just uh I, I'm I'm surprised at the end of such a frantic process that the movie turned out as personal as it did, mm. you know, and and it's um yeah, I'm really. Pr I mean, we'll <laughs> we'll see how the world world reacts to this one, but <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm really proud of it. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I'll be strong enough to see it by then. I've been really <laughs> trying to uh, immerse myself. This more. has been like boot camp for you. This it has. Last month. Yeah. It has. It's been a growing period. I've been between this and going to Not Scary Farm, where I was followed by a clown for s five minutes. His name's Nate. <laughs> Her husband. Oh. He does have these sweet sneakers that are really squeaky. So you don't typically watch horror movies? No. Okay. Well, at least you started with like, these are some pretty easy ones. Yeah, but I had heard that The Exorcist was really scary. And people were like, I thought I wasn't going to be scared, but I was scarred or something. I was like, damn. They just misspelled it. <laughs> <laughs> that was scared. Yeah. And then the uh, we watched like The Omen, right. you know, and I found, you know, not to spoil too much, but I found it to be not that scary right, right, you know yeah. like it's 70s horror is a different animal i yeah. would say than like current day horror where they're like watch us slow motion cut off someone's nose close up <laughs> what and movie is that someone's gonna be laughing that's yeah. a dr pimple popper youtube <laughs> page she's <laughs> describing actually just what i imagined them to be i can't i, see, I haven't I see. seen them but i this uh, is like when you saw the poster the poster for killers of the flower moon and said that looks long <laughs> listen i have a sense about these things I wow. can she's not wrong <laughs> no you're not wrong you, no you, yeah, wow. i called it but um so i've been trying to like because i think a lot of horror concepts are really interesting and when I hear it explained to me, I'm like, that's really cool. I wish I could watch that. And so I'm trying to kind of build up and not um, not get too scared about things. So anyway, we're getting there. So I'm going to be seeing your movie. Awesome. Um, awesome. Does it have anyone's nose getting cut off close up? In I can't say. Can't I can't say. say that. I can't say. Okay, well, that there matters. There are things like that in the movie. Okay. There are definitely things like Damn. that. He can't say that the original working title was God Only Knows. <laughs> he can't <laughs> reveal that at all. And then, I don't know, hopefully this doesn't yeah. spoil or get into spoiler territory, but like, did the process of making the film for all its highs and lows and ups and downs and being in a foreign country, being away from family for so long and the intensity of the process for such intense material. Did that, was there anything in that process that felt akin to a spiritual experience for you? Did it change the way you yourself thought about faith or your relationship to any of that stuff? Uh, oh boy. <laughs> That's a really good question. And 
Yeah, definitely. It definitely did. Wow. It definitely did. You know, the the milieu of the film, it's 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 a it's a it's a nun who's working at this um basically like a senior home for nuns, you know. So like all these elderly nuns, we they call it like the last stop before heaven. And it just made me feel intensely sad for people who uh, I was going to say make the choice, but it's not a choice. Uh, people who felt called into that line of work and that that's how they spent their lives and hoping that their version of joy was as intense as, I don't know, what perhaps it could have been if they had decided, if they didn't feel that calling, you know? Mm. So it kind of gave you a different empathy for that sort of person. Yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, we we had like hundreds of senior citizens in nun costumes walking around every day, you know, mm -hmm. that we're interacting with. Uh, and they weren't real, they weren't real nuns, but it really felt like it was just a very strange thing to be the ringleader of, you know, mm -hmm. and, 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 and seeing all of these, you know, sort of younger nuns who are trying to, who are aspiring to be, to, to, to be like these other women. It, it's, it, it's just a, it's an interesting internal you know, as, as a director, it's like you have to figure out the internal logic of these characters, and 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 it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult mindset for normal people to understand, you know, or for people who aren't you know who aren't devoting their entire lives to to God, you know. So it's very extreme, yeah. Especially in a modern time, there are yeah. perhaps other centuries where it might have actually been a better way to live as a woman. And perhaps, there are yeah, other perhaps, times, yeah, yeah. maybe, you know, yeah. maybe get an education or be safe from some things, maybe. But even like 60 years ago, they're flying around now. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and like now, you know, it's uh, it is especially striking. I think that someone would opt for such a life of restriction at such a young age. Right. Right. And, and commit to that the yeah, rest of their life. And that's the main character of the movie is someone mm -hmm. who's who's made that choice and luckily i mean we come into the narrative post that choice but um but then she's challenged with it but um you know i I'm also doing all the research into nuns and learning about learning about the nuns that like literally don't see their families aside from maybe 20 minutes a year behind a, a screen you know like there's there's like oh seriously deep secular nuns and and uh, there are silent nuns. Like it's, it's really. Wow. There's something about it that actually, like, it's deeply disturbing to me. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah, it's funny. I just, I just, I'm, I'm catching up on all of the TV of like the last decade. I just watched the next him documentary. Mm. Um. And the HBO one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and I'm sure you guys have. I'm sure y'all have talked about it. Um. I saw a lot. <laughs> I saw a lot of. Um, parallels obviously mm. between that and people who are who are that deep in their faith in forms of christianity that mm -hmm. are widely accepted you know so had you spent any time with nuns like actual nuns in the, either in the area or no. locally or anything it was mostly no. just kind of looking yeah. through what has existed about them already yeah no I, yeah no i had to i had to it was yeah, all you, get, you had to get hands. moving <laughs> yeah yeah you didn't talk to those nuns that got mad at Katy perry <laughs> it would just be interesting to ask them some questions, you know, and kind of find out. But there was an know. old nunnery that Katy Perry bought out Wait, many years ago. Yeah, as like real estate. I think it was in Los Feliz. Yeah, it was like an old abbey mm -hmm. that was for sale. Um, really? And then for some, I don't know the details of it. There's convoluted stuff though that essentially there's now truly there's now legislation and laws made to prevent what she did. From happening. Again. Oh my God. 
because there was like very complicated things, I believe, with with the elderly people who owned the property. Oh right. In the ways uh, that, like, I think uh, I'm probably getting every detail of this wrong, like but he I think outmaneuvered them yes, or something. Yes, and oh. her people because they wanted the the property. So you know, still a, a vulnerable people. You know, that's wow. Probably, that's probably the last time nuns made headlines that I can recall. Yeah. Other than Whoopi visiting the Pope the other day. Did you see that? Wait, what? Whoopi Goldberg visited the Pope and gave him Sister Act merch. Uh, and this was photographed and videoed. Whoopi. <laughs> She's got the time, I what? guess. Yeah, I guess so. The Pope the has po- the time? <laughs> 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 to be with Whoopi yeah. and her merch? He he's a big fan co- of ghosts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Girl, you in trouble. <laughs> She's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a movie, The Pope's Private Theater. What's he watching in there? <laughs> the Pope's Usher. <laughs> the Pope's Popcorn Guy. Well, I can't wait for the movie to come out so you can talk about more in depth. Yeah, yeah we'll see. We'll kind of get into the personal dimension of it. What does this period feel like now between like basically you've done everything you need to do besides promo and all the mm-hmm. marketing stuff, but but the actual work... What, what does it feel like? We were talking about it a little bit off mic, but what does it feel like between like now and then it actually hitting general public audience? I don't know. I mean, it's all it's all just a, a big a big. I honestly don't know. It's it's just all uncertain, you know. And you just you you make something and you hope people like it, and you also try to convince yourself that you don't care what other people think mm-hmm. about it, <laughs> and then you you know you hope it it does well for the financiers and. But then at the same time, you're like, well, I don't want to measure myself in the, you know, I want to measure myself by artistic success. And so it's a big, it's a big like tsunami of, um, mm. you know, insecurities <laughs> and such. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is literally day one of me being sort of finished with the creative work on the film. So mm. it's still only my fourth feature film. So, you know, I'm only. Well, yeah, but you it's know, amazing. But yeah, it's, I mean, but it's yeah. like it's like a little bit of a milestone. But I'm a different person than the person who made the last one. Yeah, I'm a different person post this film. It's and, years and, and years, you know, in yeah, between exactly. the time. And yeah, so, and so I'm just really excited. I was talking to my dad on the way over here. I'm just really excited to like have a little bit of normalcy for a while and just like be like a normal person and to spend more time with my kids and to you know and to really figure out the next one. So. This sounds exactly like what Caroline go through between when we stop recording and the episode comes out. <laughs> oh, I mean, e- each episode of this podcast. <laughs> just, <laughs> if just you're look. looking for your next concept, I have one. Yeah, we were talking earlier about this location. It's the Santa Anita horse ra- horse track. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> now there were headlines a few years ago about literally dozens of horses dying at this horse track week after week. It would be like this week. 15 horses died. This week, 16 horses died. And no one could say why all the horses were dying. There was, in fact, a a (laughs) series on HBO called Luck. Luck. Starring Dustin Hoffman, directed about by, this story. Direct, well, directed by Michael Mann and written by David Milch, who did Deadwood. Yeah. He's one of the great TV writers. About and, this, uh, who else worked on it? The key Jesus grip was Christ, uh, IMDb. Like, Am I? So no, L. they shot three or four episodes, and it was about horse racing and, and the racetrack, and they shot there. And they shut down production because too many, I think there were other problems as well, but too many horses what the hell? died. Yeah. And it was a very unprecedented HBO cancel stuff after a season. But three episodes in, they were like, like we cannot. This is out of control. Yeah, too, too many, too many. Yeah. So, you know, you're welcome. 
I got you. It's horse. So we have to, but you have to solve the mystery first. Like, well, that's, I think that's really your job. Oh, okay. I see. I see. <laughs> and I don't know if you've, you've tackled. Yeah, we're giving you homework. I'm giving you so much. This sounds just like with a true crime alone. podcast more than. A- well, I think that there's definitely a horror element. I know you haven't done horse horror yet. <laughs> or yeah, as far as I know. And this could be something to try. <laughs> oh my god! What what happened? What so? What did they? We don't know. They were like there was some mumbo jumbo about like the the uh, soil was getting too wet and muddy, and then the horses were like breaking their legs. They but blame it still the doesn't dirt. explain why it was like so many horses. You know like, what's interesting? What? Sorry, this is I don't know if this is, but somehow the YouTube algorithm thinks I'm really into horse uh, hoof. Uh, maintenance. Oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. I've like, seen those. Have yeah. you seen those videos? Yeah, I have. Like, They're kind calming. of disgusting. Anytime oh, I we go different ways with that. <laughs> calming, I don't know. Disgusting. Somehow YouTube thinks I'm really into horse. You're a big horse guy. Hoof cleaning. <laughs> like with their like where they like shave the bottom and yeah, like, and it looks kind of violent, but it, it does actually look doesn't. It doesn't affect the horses They're, like, negatively at all. Raping it Why? out. Yeah, I know. And so yeah. I've watched a few of these, which of course then made. It'd be like, oh, you'd love this. Here's even more. <laughs> this is your whole thing, right? Yeah. And, and, but these videos get like millions. Anyways, it's a very popular thing. There's interest in horses already. Maybe that well was established. Maybe they didn't have the proper, like, whatever. Hoof scoopers. Yes. Oof. It's a hoof done it. <laughs> oh, it is a hoof done it. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. Call the clops. Crack them down. <laughs> I think I'm infected with another demon yeah. as well. Tonight. No, you've, this has been an ongoing the, problem. The spill demon left. <laughs> There's another shittier demon that's <laughs> demon. me right now. Been afflicted. I'd watch it. You could do stunt casting. Sea Biscuit, I know, is like, he's offer only <laughs> right now, but I think he'd. I don't know. He He's got a needs few a good years left in him. Yeah. He's like Newman in the 80s right now. Hobie McGuire will come back. <laughs> well, if he can Just like... call up like the cast of Seabiscuit and see <laughs> yeah. all of them. Like they already kind of know how to handle one a other horse. person in Seabiscuit? Sure. Of course I can. Um, Goofy? <laughs> <laughs> Robert De Niro? No. <laughs> okay. Feels like he should have been in it. You should put him in this one. Because it was long? <laughs> Because it was long. <laughs> oh gracious! This is this feels like a like every family reunion I've ever had. Where it's like I have this idea <laughs> yeah, for a movie. Put Robert De Niro. <laughs> oh yeah, what other movie? Yeah, why don't you call it Robert De Niro? <laughs> yeah. Why haven't you worked with him yet? <laughs> you should do one about my neighbor who yeah. I think is weird. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> it's called Weird Neighbor. <laughs> It'll be great. No, we won't pitch you. We won't no, pitch you. No, it's all good. <laughs> uh, okay. The concept was really good. You got that dog in you, Dexter? It was. But let's talk, uh, before we take a break, let's talk broadly about, you know, movie hell. <laughs> now, I'm realizing now, it was Mike Jackson. <laughs> Mikey. Oh, Mikey J. <laughs> he likes it. Hey, Mikey. I'm realizing this now in our last episode. I should have put a Carmen sound at the end of that. Mm. That makes way more sense. Carmen's this Italian. You know who he is. Yeah, he love he loves the devil. <laughs> this Italian. I only know him through <laughs> your podcast. This freaking Italian <laughs> oh, guy. Right, yeah. oh, okay, great. I'm so glad we've like you know brought his profile up a little bit. I hope. Well, we have competition. As yeah, we found out. I know. 
Oh, gracious. We We've can't get into the groundwork that. now. He, his life rights are tied up to an ir- a man a, a we YouTube don't deem prankster. worthy. No, yeah. we're Literally a YouTube prankster man. Yeah. And, part videos. Anyway. And kind of a battle over Carmen's life rights. That's a movie right there. Oof. Right? Who lives, who dies, who tells your story? That's about Carmen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about Hamilton. We, we've gone through movie hell. Caroline, not into spooky movies. Me, I tolerate them. I don't mind them. I'll go see quote-unquote elevated horror, but it's not a genre I've like natively responded to so far. Here's where our journey's been. We start with The Omen. And then truly, based off of our conversation, we watched End of Days with Arnold. And then we watched The Pull-Ups Exorcist, which came out this year. And then we're going all the way back, the earliest movie we watched, the 1973 film The Exorcist. What a combo of movies this has been. <laughs> oh, it's almost as if like a guy who like, like has focus issues was planning it. Like, I don't know, Pope's Exorcist with the Exorcist. End of days, I guess. Like, not a true thing. Of course, we're going to do the omen. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, cut to 99. <laughs> uh, so what's your relationship with horror, broadly speaking? Was it a genre that you always responded to when you were young? Uh, ish. Uh, I, I got into it, like, hardcore after sort of becoming a filmmaker just mm-hmm. because you know, the filmmaking techniques used in it, it's, it's a much, I think it's a much harder genre to do well than it is to do a, like a traditional drama or comedy, you know? Explain why that is. Because in my perception of it, sometimes I, I think for maybe like bad horror, because mm-hmm. the, the kind of going maxim about like theatrical movie going right now is, yeah. well, you can make a horror movie and those are very reliable audiences. That's why you have 10 Saw movies because yeah. you can make them for, relatively cheap cheaper than you could like a mid-budget drama from the 1990s and then the audiences will show up and so but but then sometimes i and this i'm not an expert on the genre at all but sometimes there's almost like uh, a math to it where it's like oh yeah you get the guy's face and he jumps out and there's a huge jump scare like pluck of the string bing bam boom you know uh, it's not that easy right yeah, so no. so tell me no, I, well i think it's like all horror movies are dramas you know or at least the best ones are you know and then this is, and then you add the genre element to whatever degree your voice is, you know, in order to, in order to help audiences, uh, you know, engage in it, you know, and, and to me, that's, that's like such an exciting opportunity. You know, I feel like, yeah, for a while there, I, I, like I wanted to do films kind of like James L. Brooks, but they simply don't get made. But I also think that there's a, you know, with, within the filmmaking itself, you know, yes, you still have to direct your actors in the same way, whether it's a horror or, mm-hmm. or, or, or a traditional, you know, traditional drama. But the way that you move the camera, the way you create intrigue, the way you force your audience to lean in instead of leaning back, you know, to me, that's that's such an exciting, that's such a more exciting challenge, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, for me, I'm like, I'm now a little bit more, I mean, you know, my heart is with erotic thrillers. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but I, I might, you know, there's a few things I'm considering doing next. And, and one of them is another horror movie just because it's, I feel like I've only, I've only just like scratched the surface of what I would love to do in terms of, yeah, the way you design a scene to, to elicit a jump scare or to, or to elicit the opposite or to like think that there's a jump scare coming, but there's not, you know, and I think all of that stuff is like, it just requires a much more deft hand. So that's that's what I, I to me mm. I, I love watching 
every kind of horror movie, old, new, bad, good, whatever, because there's so much, there's yeah. more going on in terms of the language. Oh, I follow you on Letterboxd, so I know you're not a snob <laughs> in a good way about, about anything or anything that you're watching. I'd be curious to hear who you think is like doing it well right now. If there's like, not, maybe it's an individual movie or like a particular writer, director. I mean, where it's like, I, mean I think every, I think anyone would say that Hereditary and Midsommar is like the one to like, it's just like, it's untouchable. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's incredible. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, 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 he's the one, he's the one making films that feel the most honest, you know? I get that. Yeah. Although, and what's funny too about him is he's saying like, Oh, Bo is afraid is actually the stuff I want to do. Like the horror stuff I like, like when you read all those profiles that came out about him, he's like, Horse stuff gets made, you know, and yeah. so I can Trojan horse the things I'm interested in and suffuse yeah. it with all my sensibilities. But what I actually care about is also uh, maybe more perfected. I, I think of the Flanagan stuff, the Mike uh -huh. Flanagan, yeah. Haunting of Hill House, Bly Manor, Midnight Mass, yes. yeah. Fall of the House of Usher, and then he's got he's got the rights to the Dark Tower novels. Mm -hmm. Do you read Stephen King, Caroline? Mm, I've read. I think I've read one or two. Okay. Yeah. Scary. It's <laughs> a good review. <laughs> so scary. You just think I'll like take. a book can't scare me. Yeah, it can. A bad. <laughs> it's like I'm reading it at my pace. There's no way the author is directing whether like my eye will catch something in the corner, <laughs> you know? And it's like, I'm doing this to myself. It's a really weird experience. It's my fault. Yeah, and I'm scared. <laughs> well, you're directing the movie of the book in your mind as That's, you're reading. You wow. Know? Yeah. Maybe I'm a really good horror director. Yeah, That's go. why it's extra scary <laughs> in my <shit>. mind. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so he's got Dark Tower stuff. He's got Dark Tower. Dark Tower. Dark Tower stuff. <laughs> the Verger and Dark Tower. <laughs> coming but yeah it feels like it's most successful when the genre is used as a vehicle for like different kinds of ideas that you can't as successfully execute without being more didactic in dramas like you can you can suffuse a movie uh with some of the like th themes that are in your movie maybe more easily than you yeah. could in a more straight across the plate drama it's also a genre where like you have permission to make extremely bold and weird choices and the audiences want that you know mm -hmm. so whereas like so many other films and film genres it's like when you're working on them you have like the sense of like what's commercial what's not commercial what's what's, what's outside grounded. the box yeah, yeah exactly right. mm -hmm. whereas like if you see a movie like smile right like the score for that movie is so experimental and so strange and that's what makes it great is that there's all of these very bizarre choices that you couldn't. That would be a little bit more difficult to to, yeah. to get to get past the the goalie. In, in You're encouraged other to get more creative with it and more. Yeah, and that's what audiences want. Mm -hmm. I mean, they want weird. They want you. They want to be unexpected. They want something unexpected. You know, and they yeah. want they and 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 I feel like the level. I mean, this is a much larger conversation, but I think you know the importance of horror in terms of in terms of giving people that little taste of a trauma response in order to deal with the. The, the horrors in our own lives is like so massively important right now. And so you can take it to a much darker place because the world that we live in is a much darker place mm. than it's ever been, you know? Oh, yeah. So, um, what was that horror movie? You might know the name of it. It came out on shutter during the pandemic host host. Yeah. Is that what it was oh, called? Great. Yeah. It's this horror movie that takes place entirely on zoom 
And everyone's like, uh, Zoom, I'm it's exhausted wonderful. of Zoom it's, stuff. But it, it's brilliant. Yeah. It, by all accounts, it is very effectively done and genuinely creepy and very scary. Yeah. So things like that can more accurately reflect, respond to the world around us, et cetera. Which Midsommar, even something like quote-unquote elevated horror, I don't know if, how you feel about that, even sure, as like a sure. genre moniker. Yeah. Some people have less of a... You know what's odd is like uh, Scorsese said recently, Killers of the Flower Moon was inspired by Hereditary and Midsommar. Here for it. I'm here for He's it. He's like, the way he edited it and pasted it, I wanted to do that in my film. And so, well, I think especially after like something huh. like The Irishman, which is so like me, it's so like stoic and austere, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm excited that he's doing something more. I don't know. He's he's so good with he, he's so good with pizzazz, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great way to put it. And uh, and I, I've, pizzazz. I've missed I've missed that pizzazz. I, I don't know if you saw Silence. Did you Did you see Silence? Mm-hmm. No, I did. Oh, uh, yeah. that scene with the crucifixion where they're on the on the mm-hmm. beach is. It's like one of those sequences that I don't think people talk about as much because the movie was like two hours and 45 and it was a lot of, it was, it's, it's Use a, that edit button, Marty. Yeah, it's Begging. a little. Doesn't this make you want to watch it, Caroline, <laughs> hearing about the crucifixion on the beach? No, but there's this, there's this one sequence that I think is one of his best sequences. And I feel like it, unfortunately, it sort of just flew under the radar because the rest of the movie was pretty, pretty, um. You need to. I, I was lucky. Enough, I went to see it in the theater, so I was able to like actually like settle in and watch it. But if you're watching it at home, it's a little bit it's a little bit trying. But that sequence of the beach, I, I have no idea how he did it. Where the the the, the so the it's these three guys they're being crucified. They're 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 the crosses are on the beach at low tide, and then high tide comes in, and you just watch these waves constantly pelt them, and they're underwater for impossible amounts of time, and the visual effects and the imagery it's like one of those things you see it oh you're just like this God. is seared into my brain i will never forget this you know and Whoa. and he's so capable he's one of the greatest i think we should talk about the podcast for real i think yeah. we should it's about jesuit missionaries in china can i watch it on two times speed <laughs> no. not at your local amc <laughs> <laughs> can i watch it can i watch silence yeah, you... on 2x <laughs> I mean, you could try. Oh, 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 you're talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that you said that all horrors are dramas. It's it's true. I mean, like so many are like so much of like when you talk about elevated horror, I think, you know, unfortunately there's like this, it's sort of overused now where like so many horror films are all just about people overcoming trauma, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a dramatic conceit, you know? Yeah. And, and. We're not overcoming it. Yeah, or Sometimes not coming. Yeah, I was thinking about you know dramas. They they're talking about the harder aspects of being a human and living and surviving, mm-hmm. whatever. And watching a normal drama sometimes can be uplifting, and sometimes it's just kind of like, well, yeah, that's going on. Mm-hmm. But there <laughs> can be something about maybe the way horror treats drama, and you tell me that can maybe make the hardest parts of being a human feel less insurmountable i guess less terrible or actually like maybe give them the amount of scariness and complexity that they actually feel like when you're going through it but maybe just sounds like well my parents got a divorce you know or whatever but actually really was this heightened Mm. as a monster or whatever it may be yeah well i think it's just it's just what um shoot i should have i should have there's this uh, study that I'm not able to recall right now, but it, it, 
Oh, this is what it, I would do on the show all the time. It, so um, don't worry about it. This is the show. Yeah. No, there's a there's a study where um because I I looked I I read I you know I did some like really nerdy research before Immaculate because it's my first quote unquote horror film right just learning about like sort of what horror does in your when you're watching a horror movie what it does to your brain and and like sort of the different chemicals that are released and um I think we're lucky in that it, we now live in a world where like people understand its importance you know um, mm. but I think that's I think you hit the nail on the head it's just like yeah you you you're able to sort of kind of like live vicariously through someone else's pain and that helps you uh, realize that your own pain isn't either either you know it's not that it isn't as bad because you still yeah. have because everybody's you know everybody's pain is pain well, it can um, be affirming too yeah 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 absolutely that's absolutely it you know and especially with the you know i don't want to talk about the themes of immaculate because it kind of gives a lot away but like it's it's touching on a thing. It's like under the surface, like this is a movie that really deals with like something that a lot of people like beyond take the religion part of it out of it. It's, it's dealing with like a very, very, very serious, urgent pain in the world right now in the U S and that, that that's the, what helped me get through all of the stress of making the film is feeling like what, what I'm doing is really important for people to, 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 to deal with. And, and if they can, you know, if they can scream because of it, if they can like, sometimes your reaction to horror movies is to laugh, you know, which is just like a natural response when you see something so extreme, it's like that release. I I'm really excited mm. to be able to sit in the back of audience, uh, uh, back of auditoriums and, and at the end of the movie and, and hear what that response yeah. is, you know? So. Yeah, definitely. Hey, and we'll be at the front of that auditorium screaming <laughs> with you. <laughs> Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with more Good Christian Fun. Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. Let's dive into the topic. <laughs> oh, Pazuzu! <laughs> Hello! The Exorcist, 1973. Caroline, you had never seen it. Me. Never seen it. I'd never seen it. Mike, when was the first time? saw the exorcist i think the first time i saw it was in film school when they they like re-theatrically released it this was like i think in like the year 2000 um where they like released it in theaters as like the version you've never seen right and there was um, four new scenes in it it was 10 minutes longer yeah and it wasn't oh. better no yeah no it's not better but um yeah, that was the that was like the first time I saw it, and I thought it was like, oh, I thought, yeah, this is this is okay. There's some weird stuff in it. Like it sort of had been ruined for me a little bit because I'd, you know, you'd sort of the reputation for the movie kind of precedes yeah, itself. Yeah, and all the osmosis of it. Uh, and then I've seen it probably. I don't know. Watching it last night, it was probably my fifth or sixth time watching it, and yeah, every every time I I I, I have a deeper and deeper appreciation for it. Um, my entryway into the whole Exorcist franchise was seeing first Exorcist colon Believer. With me. With Mike. Yeah. Uh, a week or two ago, whenever it came out. So this is the new sequel that came out. Requel. Or requel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's What's a, a requel? Well, I they just redo the movie? I think it's technically a legacy sequel, right? Because it, okay. it's characters and actors. <laughs> Did you just make a face? <laughs> I think actually. <laughs> legacy sequel? That's what they call them, legacy sequel. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Prequel. Legacy sequel is... Squeakquel. Yeah. Too many kinds. There's four. There's legacy sequel, squeakquel, prequel, and equalizer, which is just a Denzel Washington movie. <laughs> Uh, I think Legacy sequel is like, it's been 30 years since the last one, but there's these actors and the same characters from the, so oh. Force Awakens, that's a Legacy sequel. Terminator with Linda Hamilton, that's a Legacy sequel. And I then see. Exorcist, Colin Believer was the Legacy sequel because they finally got Ellen Burstyn back, baby. Ellen they, Burstyn came back for that? Yeah. She is a spry, 91 years old, <laughs> running around Atlanta, Georgia, in Exorcist. Can't believe her. She had, you know, how many how many sequels are there? There's like it was the sixth Exorcist movie, I believe, between was all the Linda Blair in it too. Well, you're gonna have to watch it to find out. But yeah, she was at the very end. <laughs> at the very very end, and it's you know part of a new trilogy of movies from. David Gordon Green, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I saw that okay. one first before seeing this one. Okay. Do they uh, talk about it a lot in this new one? Yeah. Well, with the Burson character, because she's like, oh. I went through something she- like this a long oh, time. You know, it was okay, a lot okay, of that. Okay. Fine. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't super tied to the the events of this one. Okay. It was just kind of, in, in a way that was confusing that maybe I'll talk about later. But yes, I'd never seen this one before. And my experience watching it, because you were really girding yourself you were like, thanks for telling me in advance. I'll watch it during the daytime, Kevin. Yeah, I did. <laughs> like Sunday afternoon. Was that better? Yeah, it was it that better. Way? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched it last night, and as is my want to do, on where you're sitting right now, Caroline, I fell asleep on my couch. I, I've been doing this so consistently in the last two years of my life, and I'm wondering if it's like ruining my life. I mean, I'm being dramatic, but... I'll just fall asleep watching whatever I'm watching and I'll just pause and then like, I'm just resting my eyes and then just fall asleep on my couch. A full old man. Which is very comfy, <laughs> as you know, because it used to be your old couch. But I woke up and usually I'd be like, uh, I'm in this bad habit where it's like, I'll watch the first half hour and then finish the rest of the movie tomorrow night. You know, a full 24 hours later, which makes it a very choppy experience sometimes. But with this, it's like, well, we're recording tomorrow, so I have to watch it tonight. So I wake up with Dexter on the couch at like 1 a.m. No, it was 2 a.m. So I'm like, well, I only got 30 minutes of the way through. We're we're doing this tonight. What? You know, this Tuesday night. This is yesterday, Monday. So at 2 in the morning, I was like, time to watch Whoa. Pazuzu do his thing. So wait, oh how far in had you gotten? Like, where were you at when you fell? Because like the you first think- 10 minutes are, it's it's... 
Yeah. It's got such a unique structure. Oh, I know. Well, definitely, I did not think, oh, yeah, Exorcist, the Iraq movie. I did not know that that was the case. There's this whole prologue in Iraq that they shot for real in Iraq. Now they would do it where it's like Southern California stands in for Iraq and stuff. But Friedkin was a freak in every way imaginable, (laughs) RIP. He passed away a month ago? Yeah. Yeah, a month ago as of recording this. He was like 82 years old. Um, freaked it to the end freaked it to the end he did do the real exorcist documentary from 2017 that pope's exorcist was based off of um but yes uh, starts in iraq i'd gotten to we were in washington dc and i believe we had met uh the young priest at this point we had not uh you know she hadn't started spinning around Mm -hmm. yet at all but it was, uh, I think, I think it was before they did the first surgery on her at the doctors. So here's what I did not know or understand because, like, there's these iconic totem- totemic movies, kind of like what you're describing watching in film school, where if you're just a person in the world, it's like, oh, I've heard that song a million times, even though I've never listened to that, sat down and listened mm-hmm. to that song. I haven't seen The Shining, but I saw the Simpsons parody. I saw this right. parody in the Super Bowl commercial. I've heard this guy quoted a hundred times. And the same thing with Exorcist. Know all the tentpole moments and the iconography of the horror imagery. I didn't fully understand the the story about it, mm. how much Burston's character is centered for most of it. And that truly, here here's what the horror felt like to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, if anyone wants to watch it, it's streaming on Max right now. And it is until the end of the month. And then I think it's going to go off and it'll probably come back on. At some point in the future. What I didn't understand that so much of the horror was it, it kind of hit a, a little close to home place for me, which is for uh, Linda Blair's character, this young girl, 13 or 14 years old, as she was when they were making the movie. It's what what felt most terrifying to me was something's wrong with my kid and I'm going to doctors and I'm going to a lot of doctors and they're doing a lot of stuff and my kids in pain all the time and it's it's really freaking us out and all the doctors are like i don't know maybe we'll do another scan maybe we'll do another terrifying terrifying thing. procedure where we put and a needle and not taking her seriously really either yes so to me the the sort of like real fear that it affirmed and, and validated in real life was, uh, you know, something that I've experienced in my family, which is like someone having, uh, in my family, it's like, it was more like chronic pain and going to like literally hundreds of doctors. Like, is it this? What's wrong with this? What's wrong with this? And then just like a marathon of shrug shoulders emojis from the finest medical professionals in the land. And the sort of like surely unintentional, but the low-key crazy-making Gaslighting might be too far, but the effect that that can have on a family of like, there's something wrong with my kid and you can hold me at an arm's length distance with, you know, the barrier of medicine and procedure and what you learned in school and what you think is best. But it 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 is not validating my experience of trying to take care of someone who's depending on me. And I thought that as the kind of central drama of the movie was the most terrifying part. And that was the thing that felt most grounding. I thought it was just like, she's just flying around the, room the whole time when it's really like the last half hour, it yeah. gets real real with the two priests. But that part of it was like, oh my God, that 
That is a true fear. It's not just like yeah, it's a nightmare inside of a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. it's not just what if a demon possess your kid. Right. It's like no, something's wrong and yeah. no one can help you. What did it feel like for you watching it? Yeah, I also had no idea how much of it was just like, yeah, uh, household domestic problems, you know, for so long. And also thought that, yeah, Linda Blair was going to be like spewing and spinning for like a lot more of the movie. Um, And the, yeah, I think I wrote that down too. Like the medical procedures that she has to go through awake uh, seemed so much scarier (laughs) than like anything when they like stick that wire in her neck yeah. and it's like spurting blood and then these horrible 1970s era medical machines that are just so loud and large and you just see her like wincing and like barely keeping it together. Like, and the fact that she's not screaming through those entire things is almost like worse, you know? I felt like those were really visceral and I could like feel that like nightmarish feeling, you know, of going through all of that medical shit. It's amazing because like, watching like watching because she's young like she's she's actually 13 you know she's not like an she's not like an 18 year old playing 13 she's actually 13 and like like you're saying like the sound effects of those machines are so abrasive and they they allow it like the mix allows it to be abrasive yeah um it's it's rare that you see kids in pain in real pain in, in a film, right? Like how often do you, like, usually it's like, you know, maybe a kid dies in a horror movie or something like that, but Mm -hmm. never, never like this. And I feel like the fact that they take the time to do that in the film, they don't just speed through it. Cause like this, another movie would start where the possession is already taken, like the, the exorcist shows up on the front door, you know, like that's typically how it would be done today. Slowly for her. Yeah. They move slow, but it's not boring because you're, you're like, you are like, I've, that's the that's the thing that I think really sets this apart, and what I think a lot of modern, um, not modern horror, but like where horror, like the um, during the the dark ages of horror, you know, <laughs> they uh, for, sort of forgot that you really need to care about the characters. And yeah, what are and, the dark ages of horror? Well, I don't. It's subjective. I don't want to say it, but like. I would say that like the late eighties, early nineties. Oh, I'm gonna get dragged for this. I don't want to no. get. Oh, yeah, no, 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 go it's, off, King. Tell it's him. no, 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 no. Because, you, because, because, because I even like I like bad horror movies. Like, yeah. I like all of them, and so I will say this. I would say the 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 horror from the eighties, American horror mm-hmm. from the eighties, typically isn't as honest, uh, character wise mm-hmm. as 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 the exorcist was, you know, mm-hmm. or even something like Halloween, the first Halloween was, yeah. they, they didn't, they didn't have the same specificity of character and specificity of, of even just the milieu. Like here's this working, working actress who's a single mom who like, I really love that. Like her character, she's a great mom. Like she really cares about her kid. There, it's not like a classic. Like, oh, she's a career woman and no. she abandoned Reagan, and that's why she's like freaking no. out. It's like, no, 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 she's close with her. Like, they're yeah. tight. There's that beautiful scene where she's like tucking her into bed, and they're like, oh my god. And Linda Blair's performance is so magical. There, it, 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 it yeah, um, yeah. And so you don't you, that that those sorts of scenes, 
I think a lot of times because people are just like, well, people talk about the moment where her head's spinning around. So right, they're let's, like, let's make that the forefront. That yeah. they're a good mom and dad rela- daughter relationship. Yeah, and and to take yeah. the time to take the time to spend with them to make them feel real is just yeah, it's 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 hard to fight to keep those scenes in movies these days mm-hmm. because when you're trying to make things cheaply, you don't have the time. Whereas, like this movie, he spent like 200 days shooting it, which is just like. Well, Un- yeah, the shooting you of this a lot movie. of bang for your did, buck. Wait, did, wait, before you get into the yeah, shooting of yeah, the movie, sorry. but um, hey, you don't have to say it like that. <laughs> but the other, um, very grounded, very horrifying and sad story is uh, pr- the priest and his mother and her, like, kind of slowly decaying before his eyes, mm-hmm. isolated, alone in her disgusting building. And refusing to get help. And also he's like helpless to care for her because he doesn't have any money. And for whatever reason, I don't know why the church can't help her that he works for. <laughs> like things like that are also very horrifying. And and then losing her and and knowing that she was in there alone for two days dead, you yeah. know, and and like that you know how beloved that relationship was too, and how she she has a nickname for him and he deeply cares about her and he talks about her all the time. And then she's in her, his nightmares and like haunts him for a long time. Like that, the time they spent with that also yeah, was like, it, this is horrifying. Well, you understand where, why he has this crisis of faith, right? Like you, where it's not just, it's not just coming out of like this one little, like, like they, they, it's, it takes probably three or four scenes to build it up. And even then there are, there are just those scenes where he's like, just on the altar, you don't even see the rest of the congregation, but he's like at the, on the altar yeah. performing mass, and and they don't even like they don't even they don't make it obvious. They just, just show him doing mass, like and you are thinking, second. yeah, the yeah. fact that the film like instills in the audience, like, hey, you guys are smart enough. Like, I'm gonna sit on this shot of him of him um, breaking the communion wafer, and you are going to be thinking about what he's thinking about, even though he's not showing it right now. Mm-hmm. Like that is that is like. Just that that that's the kind of I mean yeah that's my favorite type so of cinema care. you know yeah, yeah there's mm-hmm. so much care and yet because you know you're watching The Exorcist and there's going to be some crazy shit you're on the edge of your seat because you're like okay eventually this movie is going to deliver some goods where like if this were a traditional drama yeah you'd you, if you woke up after falling asleep after 30 minutes you would not be putting it back on you'd be like okay I'll get to this one day you know yeah. yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's right. Was it scarier watching it at 2 a.m. because of that? It felt like it. You know, something that stuck, you know, there's things from your childhood that get stuck in your head forever, whether you want to or not. There was just some reality show. I couldn't tell you the name of it, but they were doing some sort of ritual with witches or something. It, it was a reality show. It was on like HGTV. <laughs> no, that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> the horrors of a kitchen reno. <laughs> yeah, may, maybe it was A&E or Discovery or one of those. But they were, one of the, the priests or the demonologists said like, well, in 3 a.m., that's the devil's hour. And I remember this <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time from when I was like nine. Mm-hmm. And so that's the devil's hour. So I was watching Exorcist. Aren't the devil's hour? So I'm like, prime time for my guy. Like maybe it'll be even more. Of it. Maybe he'll pop up. Say like, hey, how'd you like it? Can I get you Listen anything with your lights? Yeah. Uh, but but uh, no, I it was one of the. It it wasn't as uh, scarring as watching The Ring at 4 a.m. when I was 12 years old mm. um, alone. That explains a lot about you. What do you mean? <laughs> It's very rare that I stay up that late now, too. 
but I was like, I was wide awake when I was watching it. Wow. Oh, wow. Last night. Yeah. So, well, when it starts getting intense, it's like you can't. Very you have to see where it's going to go. Roger Ebert's line about it that I think is so true and, and it's such a maybe it's the same line you're thinking of is uh, he reviewed it when the yes, when I wrote the, it down. The, re, the, the recut of it came out that people don't like as much and he was like it's not as good but the, the salient thing that applies to any version of it is it's a horror movie that doesn't want to be a horror movie like the way it's cut and shot isn't isn't contemporary horror rhythms because it's 50 years ago and the whole time, it seems like, oh, we would much rather be a domestic drama yeah. about this, like, actor. And, sorry. Jump scare. <laughs> Jump scare. Oh, <laughs> sir. Give us a heads up. My little Pazuzu. <laughs> <laughs> he starts flying around the room. What is Pazuzu? Pazuzu is the name of the demon statue that you see in the Iraq prologue. Oh, okay. <laughs> when it's, like, a little showdown between him and Max von Sydow. Uh, when he's just like staring at him. By the way, I don't love that like all demons are like from another place, like foreign, you know? That that demons are like othered or made like well, from a foreign yeah, land. They're from foreign lands, like for sure. And then also that like if you want someone who could handle it, you need you needed a priest that had like spent time abroad. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get a DC priest to handle it. I am I that that's one of the <laughs> things that I, I think about the prologue to this movie all the time because it the the fact that it exists is is just crazy to me because any other movie that they would make you cut it they'd be like you don't need this like this doesn't yeah, actually you tie don't. in <laughs> you don't but it does the I think, story I guess but yeah. there's something about it that is so beguiling and it adds an air of legitimacy to the whole suddenly the whole movie is well, like it makes real. it feels timeless and ancient like what's happening exactly. with this family too you know exactly and and it just there's just this because because if you did start the movie right after like it's actually a really compelling like the first few scenes it's it's so full of energy and like post post Iraq but I always I like yeah we try we actually tried to do something like that in Immaculate where we had this thing that was took place way deep in the past and um we just yeah we did not we could never have the money to to have oh. to have done it maybe um, in the 50 years later cut we'll get it in the 50 years later kind maybe of we'll but, but yeah. i do i love that the, that he did that, that that like he made this like there's just like a scene of him like processing this talisman that he saw and we have no idea what the hell it is but he's just wandering around in this daze and he's looking at those um blacksmiths you know hammering away at that uh whatever they're whatever they're doing it just like suddenly i'm just like oh this is i don't understand this but i do know that this is authentic and therefore, as the movie's going along, I just, I have this, it's in, in, infused with this sense of like, yeah, just like this beguiling realism um, that I, ah, God, I hope one day, I hope one day I get the resources to be able to do something like that, where you can have a piece of the movie that isn't absolutely narratively essential, but leaves this aftertaste that lingers over the whole film. It's mm-hmm. funny, I, re- I read that review today and I wrote something down from it as well, which was, um, Ebert, this is from his original review, which was, are people so numb that they need movies of this intensity in order to feel anything at all? And I think that's really interesting. Of a, yeah, Roger. Of a, yeah, well, he also, it was a four-star review. Mm-hmm. And I think what's fascinating is to think of the time period in which this was made because this was the most extreme mainstream horror movie that had, like Texas Chainsaw had never, hadn't come out. And Texas Chainsaw was also not a studio movie you know like this really was like 
so unbelievably shocking for people. Mm, yeah. And yet everyone flocked to it. Like even when I talked to my in-laws, they talk about like going into Westwood Village where it was like one of it, because it opened only on like 26 screens. And you can Google the the images of when it came out. It's really it's just, it, I, I just, I love seeing. Do people look really scared? Like, can you see their teeth, their well, teeth well, people, clattering? Well, what would happen is because they didn't, you know, this was before you could buy like reserved seatings and all that. So people would camp out and they'd be in line all day long just to get a seat to to go see this movie. And wow. Friedkin would show up to the theater and like, like deliver, <laughs> deliver, deliver coffee to people who were waiting in line. That's nice. Wow. And you can see the photos of it. And it's just like, it harkens back to a time that I'd like. It's so funny. Like whenever people talk about like, if you had a time machine, what would you do? And I'd be like, I'd want to go back in time and like go to the movie theater and see yeah. what it was like <laughs> to be at all these things. But my in-laws like s- still remember going into Westwood to see this movie. And it was like, it's like a real, it was a real like sort of historic moment in, in cinema culture um, because of its intensity. And now it's funny because you watch it and you're like, you're like, yeah, I've, I, I've seen stuff like this online. I thought I would be more creeped out by it last night. Yeah. I was like, is this a bad idea to watch it at three in the morning? And there were certainly very unsettling things about it. Uh, and definitely more thought about it, but I fell asleep okay. I did have a weird dream last night, but it wasn't connected to the movie. It was fine. <laughs> My dream was, by the way, to talk about like your time machine uh, ideal. My dream was I went to a movie theater to watch the new David Fincher movie, The Killer, uh-huh. which comes out. I'm like, I dreamt about that. <laughs> I'm going to do it in He's like so two excited. weeks. <laughs> Why would I dream about it? And then I saw a friend of mine in the back, in the, in like two rows behind me. And then she had to go to the hospital. But I was like, but the movie's about to and i was like can it wait i was like could it wait and then i tried <laughs> wow. to go to the hospital with her and she was like no it's okay i'm fine i don't what, know what that means what was the scariest part for each of you honestly i think uh i honestly the 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 scariest visual for me mm-hmm. might have been him saying his mom again same on Same. the bed when they're doing the the exorcism, there's like a flash of that when oh, he, yeah. when he's looking in and she's just so short. Mm-hmm. And there's no like nowadays you'd be encouraged to like put a giant sound effect over it. It's silent. Yeah. Oh, so speaking of silence, this movie uses a lot of it. Yeah. There's yeah. hardly any music in it in a way that makes it way more effective and evergreen, other than tubular bells, which is the creepy sounding piano music that's throughout. The movie but that was that was probably it for me mm-hmm. what about for you um yeah i think the like medical procedure in her neck was the one where i was just like oh i can't watch this and then uh i don't even want to like talk about it like it was just so gross but when she's like kind of stabbing herself with the crucifix mm-hmm. that part i was like oh okay so they're not messing around in a 70s horror movie i was like you guys went that's there. the one thing that feels as extreme now to me yeah like, oh. i was like don't do that um <laughs> i was actually wondering like could you even make could you make that scene today i hope not <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's could. that's a lot to make a kid do i don't well, know kid, well i think that was a double that did it for that part oh really they, they okay. talked about Famously, this is one of the most cursed shoots ever of any movie ever made. Like Linda Blair and Ellen Burstyn sustained back injuries during the movie. They shot for 200 days. The budget went three or four times over. So Warner Brothers thought they had a turkey on their hands because there was no movie stars in it. They put it out on Christmas in 1973. They're like, here you go. There's the exorcist. They thought it was going to make zero money. But like, obviously they had to do like, 
all the stuff in Iraq where it was like, oh, it was 115 degrees by the time it was 11 a.m. So we could shoot for two hours in the set where they're doing the exorcism and you can see their breath. It's not an effect. It's because they made the set freezer cold. So then they could only shoot a couple of minutes at a time. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I was like, I don't think that's a special effect. They're actually like breathing out in a really cold space. Like, damn. Yeah. It seems like a, a, a wall-to-wall horrendous process yeah. <laughs> for the most part. Well, it's like – it's just one of those things. It's, it goes back – I mean, this is – it's a, such a challenging thing because I have so much respect for Friedkin and I, I love just about all of his films. Like I love just about all of his films. Mm-hmm. Um, like like uh, I just rewatched To Live and Die in L.A. recently and um, I think Cruising is, is just phenomenal. But he – he did work in in ways that are are absolutely unethical, but it was at a, during a time. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, can you excuse the art? Can you separate the art from the artist? And slash, can you separate the artist from the time period in which they made it? But like, the idea of shooting a gun, like he would freak out the actors by shooting a shooting blanks on set, which <laughs> is just like, like insane yeah. person behavior. Yeah. No, it's, it's, just to like put them on edge. Yeah, yeah just to hell? freak them out. And you know, the actors oh, would be like, I hate these guys. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I hate I, them so much. I do too. I think that there's a, but I think that there's a, Psycho. there's a, there's a level of fear that, you know, oh God, I'm going to, I'm going to get this quote wrong, but I think it was Wes Craven talking about how like the best horror movies are, 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 uh, the, the most effective horror movies are um, – I'm going to butcher this um, – are made in ways where you feel like the laws of de- typical decency don't apply to the filmmakers or like, you know, where you see like, you know, Linda Blair is, you know. Yeah. I, I, don't, I wouldn't – people say that she's masturbating with a crucifix. I wouldn't call that masturbating. Uh, <laughs> Stabbing herself in the cross, cross. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, but like that's something that like – the fact that that's in a movie that someone had to create that it's like, that's un that's absolutely unhinged. And I think, you know, there's those sorts of, I don't know. It's just interesting. Cause it, it, it makes me want to make films that are far more that are at that level of being disturbing, but like, can you do that in a way? Can you make, I guess this is the challenge is like wanting to, wanting to do that in ways that are like, not traumatic for the actors. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Well, and that that myth feels completely deconstructed now. The idea that to get the it, like, I don't think you need to text Sally Field, "Love you, Lincoln," to get as good of a Daniel Day Lewis. You know what I mean? Right. Like right. even that stuff and just the weird. Whether it's just like super extra shit like that, or like truly just immoral, unethical behavior towards people and freaking them out. There's. You know, it, how, it's the Peter O'Toole quote. Like, well, have you tried acting, my dear boy? Yeah. But how else would they have done the, like, seeing their breath is absolutely chilling. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> my man. And. <laughs> hey, he got possessed by the demon too. Oh, <laughs> um, how else would you do that? You know, back then the, the, you couldn't do visual effects, you know. Mm-hmm. the, the, the So he had to do this thing that was very uncomfortable for the actors in order to create this thing that's. You know this challenging, right? Undeniably well, chilling. Discom- discomfort is one thing that I think yeah. is different from I'm going to shoot a gun at you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like trying to actually elicit your genuine fear outside of a scene, you know, or something like that. And that's been a lot of the dis. I mean, I haven't followed it too much, but the discourse over the intervening decades is like, 
was Linda Blair treated unethically in the show and the, the rest of the actors as well, but especially her because it's the child in the cast. And like, you know, that's been a conversation for X amount of decades. Um, and it's not something that you, <laughs> especially now that you're looking for. Like, it's not fun, I think, for modern audiences to imagine, wow, it looked horrible to make how that what great fun i'm having watching it and reaping the benefits of it what's what's strange to me i mean and it just it just is how it is now which is like a little bit of a bummer is that it seems like every movie is not just about the movie like when you talk about a movie you're almost automatically talking about how it was made right like that's a part of the narrative of the story right whereas when the exorcist first came out nobody knew who People probably barely knew who William Friedkin mm-hmm. was unless they were a big film nerd and loved the French connection, you know? And so it, it's also it's also one of those things too, like taking taking the bad behavior aside, it's hard to release a movie with this much miss with like when people saw this movie, they thought it was cursed. They had heard it was cursed, but mm-hmm. they didn't know the details of the making of the movie in the same way that we all walk into a movie with that knowledge sometimes now because we'll check out the Wikipedia page, you know, during <laughs> during the boring part at the beginning of the movie or or before we walk into it. And so um yeah, it's almost like yeah, separate separate from all this, I, I also yearn for uh I don't know, maybe it's also just me because I I'm Well it's not you have to personally navigate and sort of negotiate in your professional life. Is like yeah, yeah. maybe is it your personal preference where it's like just go watch my movie. I don't want to talk well, about it. Well, I would it. I like personally I would much rather be anonymous, you know, and and let the work speak for itself, but I also understand that this is a part of the process that people enjoy, you know, myself included. And so, but you realize there's also like an art to crafting the narrative of how a movie, you you know, uh, of the release of that information, you know, and um obviously like this is so different than like shooting a gun on a set or something like that, but just like like it would be nice to walk into a movie and be like, oh man, this movie's cursed. But instead, we we know that. Don't worry, darling. You know the people. Yeah, session. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the closest thing we have to it now is that that the that the off camera narrative of mess, not even like unethical behavior in that extreme, but the the mess makes people want to see it like when people wanted to see mr and mrs smith 20 years ago because it's like no that's the one where they hooked up but even even something like you know like uh like skinamarink which you probably Mm -hmm. yeah like you you know that that was made by a person and you can go online and see what he ate for breakfast you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like it suddenly takes that mystique out of that horror and so yeah something i would it's not the case with this one because this one it's 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 a movie with a very clear agenda and whatnot but i would love to try to figure out a way to to make a horror movie where, where you don't know anything about it. Like a Blair Witch it. effect. Yeah. But one where it's like, yeah, yeah. Like a, like, yeah, like, like a Blair Witch effect, but, um, which feels like maybe the last time that was possible at the turn of the century in 99. I wonder, I wonder, like, I wonder if, if someone were to attempt that today, do you think that audiences would, you know, even if they thought it were fake, would they appreciate the fact that the filmmakers tried or would they just call it fake? And, and To like, fool them? Yeah. I think some people would because I think yeah. some people have that tendency now yeah. to want actually less. Like there's some people that aren't as wiki pilled as, yeah. as others as like audience goers and it's just like, this is what I'm going to do on Friday and I'm going to 
stop thinking about it as soon as we get to dinner. You know, like yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Think I think that totally about, exists. Because that's something of like 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 Rishi, like our friend Rishi, who mm-hmm. like he does not he doesn't watch trailers. He'll leave the theater. I've picked that trailers. up from him. Yeah, and Seeing I think me it's bolt out of the theater when Mission Impossible Seven trailer comes out. Uh, yeah, and it's great. Like, what a better way. Like, that's that's better. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. That's such a better way to experience any movie, but it's yeah. It doesn't... Does it enhance it for you knowing more about the way something was made? Mm, sometimes I I also like to uh, try to like go in with like a vacuum, you know, experience of a movie and not know too much. Often I just yeah I think it's really distracting or it like bogs me down in the actual enjoyment of the movie. But like post movie or things like mm-hmm. that, yeah, I think it can add a lot. Or illuminate or change the way I feel or the way I enjoyed something, you know, if, if I do find out, like, the set was terrible, the people that controlled these decisions, you know, I I go into a movie assuming the actors and the talent, you know, were bought in, were good with what was happening and were on board. And if I find out they weren't and they got these performances right. out of them in a way that was, you know, manipulative or whatever, it definitely changes the way I, like, feel about, you know, the same story I just watched of like, oh, that was crazy because it was crazy. You know, like it wasn't <laughs> like, oh, right. they were they did a good trick, you know, or something like that. So it almost um, becomes a less impressive endeavor, is what you're saying. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you just did it. By- yeah, you just like scared Shelly Duvall yeah. so much, you right. know, like so yeah, it's incredible what she did, but I I hate now to see that because mm. I know what she was going through or whatever. Right, you know, right, of course. So of course. anyway, um, yeah, but sometimes it's, it adds like more fun. It's like knowing what they did with the Mission Impossible train sequence or whatever and imagining how they were able to pull it off. It can be really, really fun to find I out. I wonder too. if you could ever, in, I wonder if you could just manufacture a better, like I think of like when the Arcade Fire released Funeral, they were like, yeah, we went to a bunch of funerals because so many people died in our lives. And then that was like just all a myth, but it got people to talk about the album. Yeah, it'd be like more I, fun to just like make stuff I wonder up, if, probably. I wonder if that's, yeah, I wonder if you could like manufacture like some crazy story about what happened. So Robert just, Pattinson would do in all his interviews. He would just like make <laughs> yes, up lies. Would. Really? Yeah, yep. like every, you know, media press interview, he would just like totally make up stuff and I it would change was, every single time. <laughs> God, I wish I could do that. That sounds like... <laughs> that's Dylan S. Bob Dylan would do that. He'd be like, I, yeah. Yeah. I based it on this. I can't lie. Like, I'm really bad at lying, so I wouldn't be able, I would never be able to pull that off, so... That that would be so fun. Um, what did you all think of the end of the film? The end of the film was wild. <laughs> well, also, here's my introduction to the Exorcist steps, which obviously uh-huh. so much of this movie was shot in DC, and you can go to the Exorcist steps. There's a plaque there now, uh, for you know, wherever it is. Is it in Georgetown, maybe? Um, but the a movie I saw before I saw The Exorcist this year was a movie called Ghosted. Oh my God. <laughs> which you can watch on Apple TV Plus starring Chris Evans and Ana de Armas. Oh yeah. And there's a scene in which someone, I don't think it was them given the way they shot it, but their characters, they're like, I'll race you to the top of the steps because I'm flirting with you or whatever the hell's going on in that movie. And they, they run up there. Exorcist steps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And it's not like, hey, it's the Exorcist steps. Let's race up there. But that that was my that was my intro to it. Funny. Uh, the ending was the ending was really effective for me. That the demon eventually enters uh, the younger priest Damien, uh, and then he flings himself through the window and then down the steps. And then uh, 
is prayed over by another what's what's the name of that man? That man who the actor in real life passed away. Uh, I think that was a real priest, right? Mm-hmm. Another guy. Yeah. Yes. He was a real priest. Father yeah. William O'Malley was there his are a name. lot of like real like yeah. Oh, oh just kidding. Cool. He died this year. Um, See, I didn't study anything before I went. <laughs> See, and isn't that <laughs> nice? But I, f- I found that part actually to be the most moving and affecting. As His far- hand like grabs yes. it and you're like, oh, he's still alive? Oh my yes. God. Yeah. yeah. As Ugh. far as like from a faith perspective, because I guess technically that's still the premise of this podcast. Uh, we talk about things from a faith <laughs> perspective sometimes. And and yeah. this feels like it is so funny that we watch Pope's Exorcist before. before I know before it is funny. This one. Also, so much of the Pope's Exorcist, I was like, oh, they're just dead ass ripped off yes, this. Like, of insane yeah, you watch stuff. Even the tummy the writing. Yeah, Come on, you should have seen this one. This would should have been like the first thing that you covered because it's like the definitive religious horror movie. Like, Again, you know, omen, we were warming up. The Omen wouldn't even exist without this film. Yeah. You know, yeah. right, 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 right. That was a few years but later. This, I, I think what's what's fascinating is how. Like you can you can look at the film two different ways, right? Like you can look at it from the perspective of like if you don't believe there's a god, you're like, well, look, this demon made a priest kill himself, so obviously, you know, what God is, abandoned what, him. What, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But the majority of people and what Friedkin was intended was, was in, intending is like, no, no, no. Like, like faith is what faith is what destroyed evil here, and. And I think that's why um, religious horror films do so well. Typically, is because it actually reignites people's like um, affirms faith. Yeah, the baseline exactly. premise is exactly. God is real, and yeah. once you buy yeah. into that, yeah. you know. And we we even talked about like some of the tropes of of religious horror films as we've observed them, and it's usually one of the main characters uh, doesn't believe, and whatever right. the supernatural thing is going on, they're skeptical. They're you know they're scullying it up. And then they are eventually won over to whatever the events are. Uh, you know, there's there's one of those in the classic Pope's Exorcist. There's obviously the parents in the Omen, but in this one, what is actually more terrifying is not even it's not even about like Ellen Burson being like, no, there's no demons or anything. Exactly, it's more everyone else is not quite like locking into like like those around her. It's not like an arc she goes through. She's more like, I truly, this is beyond comprehension. And she's so messed up, even after all the scans that we've done. Um, but there's something really beautiful. Like, I find it really beautiful, the priest's journey of, like, having this horrible thing happen to him with his mother. And then he's there. And he's, through his work, you know, in having to repeat, you know, the power of Christ compels you. And realizing, oh, my God, I have to. Do be- in order for me to help this girl, I have to believe, like, because my devotion is the only thing that's going to help defeat this this thing. Mm. There's something so profound about that, and then, and then, yeah, and then him, him. I'm so glad that they handled the way that the repossess. Like, typically now, it's like if if he was to be repossessed by uh, the demon, there'd be like some CG effect of like blue smoke coming out of her mouth and going into his nose. Oh, and then, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, some sort of crazy <laughs> performance. And here it's just, it just sort of happens invisibly. Mm-hmm. But I, I forgot how quickly he was just like, yep, I'm going to jump out that yeah, window right now. Yeah, that call. And, and, and the harrowing, like every, like that moment be a, after, I actually wondered if they ever considered ending the movie right there. Like he jumps out the window, he's lying on the ground, boom, out, you know? And, yeah. And whether that would actually um, 
I mean, it's it's too harsh of a dismount for for most people, but um. Well, and then in the recut ending, it's the priest who prays over him at the end, meets up with the lieutenant. That's like, I love the movies. Do you yeah. want to go see a yeah. movie yeah, with yeah, me? Exactly. I thought they go to the movies yeah. together. Oh, that's that literally, guy. Yeah. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that lieutenant, like the musta- detective. Yeah, the mustachioed lieutenant who maybe this might be two in the morning brain. I don't know if I quite understood his function. In it. Oh, then like investigating the homicide and like, uh, this seems very fishy. Well, I thought also he was going to, well, he walks into the room. The other priest is just flown out of the window and he thinks that little girl did it. And now he just saw her do it again. Or sorry, he thought he that. did the pre, she killed the previous guy, the director. Watch out. <laughs> um, and then. She just killed this other guy. Like, according to him, he didn't see her flying around or any of the demonic stuff. Like, he just saw the aftermath of a murder, basically. But for whatever reason, like, they walk free. Yeah, I don't think they probably had the time to go into, like, what the... That's an interesting thing. because What did he do things, with that case? That happens so often when you're writing, where it's like, the side character... You need to know, okay, what does the side character know? What do they know and what do they not know? <laughs> because you don't want the audience thinking about that. And I think they just went by, like... I think they just, like... Like, yeah, he 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 he'll he'll learn the story eventually, and he'll be cool with it. <laughs> yeah, I guess know? so. I I I guess I thought he was gonna be a bigger part of their ending, and then like you know, Ellen yeah. Burstyn would like be on trial with her daughter for a while or something. I don't know. But it is fascinating. Like like I feel like those sorts of characters typically do have a movie arc too, and the absence of one is what makes this so real. Like it's like those jagged edges that feel deliberate, like the Iraq scene, or even like. The fact that Ellen Burstyn is sidelined during the climax of the movie, where yeah, it's just like, yeah, you're going to not be in the room, yeah, which is how it would like. I don't know if an exorcist were to happen, I would assume that that's what they would do. They wouldn't have her there. But don't worry, because there's a line in the new Exorcist that explains why that is. In the new Phew. Exorcist, she she said, "Well, I didn't see it. I wasn't in the room for it." And the and Leslie Odom Jr. is like, why not? And she said, probably because of their damn patriarchy. Oh and it's like, I get it. And obviously the church is like rotten with patriarchy. But in this instance, I'm not like, oh man, the patriarchy. Yeah, this is a bad case. Of watching, like, but it's so this. nice. It's so, it's such a refreshing choice to not have her there. Where it's like nowadays, she would have to be there. And she would be cutting to her all the time. She would be like, oh, she'd be the audience surrogate. Yeah, right? like we're going like, this oh is my crazy. God. I believe what they're doing. I hope they're, I hope they're, I hope they're succeeding. Oh my God, my daughter's getting hurt. What am I going to do? The fact that she's just not there. It's just like, oh shit, this is real. This is. This is how it happened. Uh-huh. She doesn't get to have her arc. Her, she's done. Yeah. It's now about Mr. Priest and his arc. He's going to take over the story. And what a fascinating structural. I just, I, I'm just, I'm in awe that something like that. I mean, it was the 70s. So like directors got away with everything, but like what a, what a, yeah, it's like the absence of traditional narrative signposts make it feel more terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because so, you could break the rules. Yeah. Yeah. You feel her presence, though, even when she's not in the room, just because the mark she leaves in the first two-thirds or three-quarters of the movie is she's so mad at everybody and yelling at them constantly through, what the fuck do you... And it's like, and it doesn't feel like hammy or over the top. It's like, that feels like a fairly accurate mania you would feel at the most important person in your life. absolutely. Sick to the core, and everyone's telling you, like, 
well, we'll put her in the machine again, see what comes up. You know, like yeah. she, she's just but cussing everyone out. It's even so those funny. doctors didn't feel unrealistic. You know, they mm-hmm. weren't the most sympathetic people, but they were th- like, I, I bought what right. they were do- like. I was like, yeah, they don't know That's what, what it they is. would do. They, yeah. yeah, they would have no other because it's a demon. Yeah, so they can't they, handle they, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They also can't get emotional about this. They probably right. deal with people all the time, and they have to like steal their emotions. Same stuff and so like this. Yeah, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, ultimately, God wins, and that's <laughs> what we like to say here. Ultimately, God won. God won. <laughs> Do we have that to now watch this drive? God won. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's a bridge too far. It's gone God too won, far. Demon zero. All right. Or our other yes for for the. It is know. funny, I guess. Now that we've watched enough of these, of how many uh, religious horror movies, like the power of you know demonic forces and the devil and all of that, is like very real, very visual, whatever. And the power of like God or like an angel or something is just not present in the movie. Like it's purely up to very mortal human beings to like tackle all this shit. This is such a good point. And this, I, you know, <laughs> for me as a Christian, I would be like, what the hell? <laughs> like, wouldn't there be a little bit more, you know, both equal sides of the power struggle going on? I mean, that's not a more that's not a more interesting movie, obviously. But it, no, it but gets to I this- just I feel that lack every time I like keep seeing demonic power displayed, and I'm just like, oh, we get no god power displayed, you know, or like. <laughs> Angel shit, or you know, messing or whatever. And I just Caroline, have you kind ever of fun. seen a little movie called Michael, starring John Travolta as a no. sort of schlubby angel <laughs> who's yeah. like, "Hey, I'm here to party." But the thing is, like, that would be boring because, like, there's nothing I hate more than a movie when like two streams hit each other and they're both equally powerful, like out of a wand or something, you know, or like two guns and it's like, who's got the <laughs> gun? And I feel like it would kind of come down to that with like demon versus angel or something it's just william friedkin and michael mann pointing guns at each other <laughs> yeah. and shooting them it's more fun the to air. think of like what would this like guy you know figure out with what he's got with this little like holy water but does that feel like a calvinist sensibility in some ways where it's like demons are real the devil's coming for you it's completely entirely up to you and it is your responsibility yeah. i mean that's a lot scarier yeah. obviously then yeah. like an angel's gonna come maybe you can help him maybe out when backup. he gets here yeah, yeah. But it feels like, yeah, you you have to be the help that you're waiting for, mm-hmm. which like shapes your your view of what God would be too in that scenario where it's like, and it, which is like triggering to me to think about like things that felt like failures of my own inability to will God's presence into my life in college age years or early twenties. Like in in this stuff, even though it's like ephemeral, popular, just media and culture, the idea that like that that does shape it to a degree where it's like, oh, you didn't pray hard enough or you didn't believe or whatever. Can you elaborate on that? Just the idea that so so something like this, like in The Exorcist, where it's like the demon's coming, he's gonna do whatever to this little girl, and you have to, you know, sort of make an army of priests and mother mm-hmm. and the scientists that's like, well, you're drawing exorcism. That's like so up to you puts the, the will and the goodness of God so much in your hands rather than like this thing of on wonder that you can observe in the same way that would feel of equitable power standing mm. with the demonic and dark forces. So then things like that pervasive in media, like religious horror and all these like movies that we've watched do ultimately start to shape a view of God that's like, you're not finding demons every day, but like the metaphorical stuff of like, well, you know, whatever, maybe it is an addiction or just like some 
some stuff or just like you get in your own way, your obstacles, then it does make your inability to do so feel even more damning because it's not because it it was always up to you in some ways. Right. Because you've received that message passively, actively implicit and explicit from all this stuff, including mainline evangelical theology, as well as the kind of makeshift slam together theology of popular films is telling you like, well, I hope you have the right combo of men of God in your life and you're praying the right way because otherwise it may not work out for you. Well, and also you're not going to actually defeat the evil presence. It's just going to transfer. You're just going to give it to somebody else. Moving it. And yeah. then they're going to have to kill themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, <laughs> you know, like killing yourself is ultimately like the best solution to this problem. Like you're faced with this onslaught of supernatural evil and God is just kind of there and shrugging. He's like, well, I gave you all the tools. <laughs> yes. That's what I feel. He's the snowman. He gave us all the clues. <laughs> you had everything you needed, you know? It can feel like that in, in like, you know, the most... Very uh, unfair battle. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's like the most cynical read of it, but I feel like that stuff does matter and it does end up shaping people's vision and idea of like how God works. And I feel like I got to lean on the Catholic church to help me with this stuff. Like that's, <laughs> things are dire. And there's process and red tape, the bureaucracy of it all. My priest like, is drunk. How is this then? How is <laughs> it's a, This is fascinating. I guess people don't think of it as deeply as, as, as this, because I think so many people walk away from this going, oh, well, God is good. There we go. Done. Mm. Versus thinking about it from these terms of like, okay, if, if something bad happens to me, Getting access to the resources that I need is yeah, it's not all, not easy. It's it's, right. it's often not enough. It's not within. It's certainly not within Ellen Burstyn's power. She can't exactly. do it. Yeah, you and know? even the priests are like killed in the process. That's how mm-hmm. difficult it is yeah. for even them who know all the right answers. Like yet they can't even deal with it. It's so fascinating. Yet the movie is viewed as. As like an affirmation, the like God, God is real. I'm like God is absent. I love that, and I, so I wonder if I, I wonder if, gosh, sorry, I'm just thinking about no, Fried, Friedkin's perspective on this as do a you, showman. Do you know anything about his religious perspective? Uh, no, I tried to look at. It. I mean, I think he. I mean, it's hard to imagine that a man that would think that firing a gun next to someone else's ear is is you know. <laughs> <laughs> Have you met most Christians these That's true. days? That's true. Catch a documentary <laughs> William Friedkin made about Mark Driscoll. <laughs> no, but he, he did make a documentary about the priest that was involved yeah. in the real one. So I, I, I have to think he's. I mean, yes, I think he. I, well, I guess it just all depends on whether or not the public-facing version of Friedkin as a spiritual person mm. is in fact a spiritual person, or if he saw this as like, oh. This mo- people think this movie's pro God, and I'm making so much money off of it, and the movie's super popular, and it's going to endure for the rest of time. Let me fan those flames mm-hmm. so that mm. the movie can have a legacy beyond what I thought was possible. Like, uh, I mean, that's that's an even more cynical view of it. Yeah, maybe you know, but also, yeah, but religious horror, you know, about this history more than we do. But like, it didn't. It wasn't a genre that was like, oh yeah, a religious horror movie or like this kind of demon. As calcified as it was post this movie, where it's like, yeah, that's a lame. No, but I also think about it like, oh God, because I I know Rosemary's Baby predates this movie, but just a little bit, just a little bit. But the the um, 
But think about like back to when they would do like, oh God, I, I know nothing about history. So you're going to have to correct me. Hey, you've the, come to the right the, place, the, the my play, man. The plays that people would throw in the, was it the- The passion plays? Yeah. Yeah. Where they like, like they would, yeah. And, and, and eventually they didn't, they have to like, didn't they- Stop doing them because people would cheer for the devil because they just made them more and more. Oh yeah, up. he was like more of a yeah, fun exactly. To watch. But they were, but he, they would, he would pay him up to the yeah, crowd, probably. Like, <laughs> but they would like make these really fucked up plays where it's like where the God then took over the dog. God defeated the devil, mm-hmm. but people would like love how how evil the devil is. It's the same thing. So it's not just religious horror. It's like there's a hiss. There's like a lineage that dates back you know hundreds of years. So yeah. Um, what time period? When? What? When were the passion? When? Am I getting oh, that right? No. Yeah. Um. I also probably not the person to ask, but it's like a medieval thing. Right. Like it was right. around for centuries, long time, long time ago. And especially because people were like illiterate, right? Or some were anyway. Damn. So you had to see a play to get the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also thinking about the the way we were talking about like what you need in order to defeat evil. And in some ways, obviously because of the nature of this, and we've talked about like how denomination-wise, most horror film falls into a Catholic tradition in particular. It's not usually yeah, why is that? the Episcopalian horror movie or the Baptist horror movie, although horrifying things happening in those yeah. in those denominations mm-hmm. as I well. I guess the Catholic Church like crafted a lot of the lore of who the devil is and what it takes to defeat him, right? Like themselves. They were like, right. Oh, I don't know. I, I grew up Catholic, so it was just like, buffs. I just assumed. But like they wrote the bo- book on like what a demon is, right? Mm. And like what it does. But I even mean in the baseline, uh, that as well, but I even mean also in the, the baseline sense of, do you need to overcome something? Go see your priest. And, and just in in like the basic structure right. of like right. repentance and, and asking forgiveness for sins as mediated by your local priest rather than like... In Protestant denominations where it's like you cut out the middleman and just kind of do a farm to table situation with your prayers. Uh and and this kind of upholds this idea where it's like, well, yeah, a person can't pray. You gotta get the at least a couple of priests for it as well. Yeah. So it might hold uphold that in some ways too. I'm trying to think of like the closest what is the most the most uh, salient or popular like non-Catholic. Horror film that is religious in nature. It's not like cult or something, but like a different denomination. I wonder what that would be. Other than freaking the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Okay. Then what? There's this podcast that kind of tracks the rise and fall of this uh, real life evangelical church out of oh, the Pacific Northwest. And yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs pastor that's rebuilt his whole brand in Arizona since then. But I think it's also like, I, I, yeah, I don't know about other other denominations. I think it's just like the mystery of evil. You know, like that's what we're all, that's what that's the unsolvable question that religious horror is so good at like delving into, which is yeah. just like, where the hell does evil come from? And how do we, how do we deal mm-hmm. with it? You know, it's very basic, but. And the answer is the same as George W. Bush's answer in 2003. It comes from Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> What if in the opening 10 minutes, like, uh, the, the priest sees, like, a little GWB with a mission accomplished sign hanging over <laughs> him in the prologue, and he's, like, 10 years old? Can I ask a question? Because, like, something I have been meaning to look up, but I've never I've never done the deep dive on this in spite of being such a huge fan of this movie and a fan of Friedkin. What does, like, what is, what is it? 
Like, how does it relate to the rest Pazuzu? of the movie? Yeah. I was trying to figure that out too. It feels like Marin, the pre, his name is Marin. Lock the he gates. Like knew about it. Like, he knew what it was as yeah. soon as he saw it. He knew what that little thingy was that he pulled out, like a little head or whatever. Uh, and then unexplained. And then at the end, I guess the only other explanation he gives is like, the younger priest is trying to catch him up on like what's happening. He's like, mm -hmm. there's three personalities. And Marin says, no, there's only one. So I'm guessing it's like that same guy, I guess. What does he find at the bottom of the step? There's like a scene early on where they like yeah. find something at the bottom of the steps. Yeah. And this time. Oh, I thought that was one of uh, Reagan's clay well, figurines. figurines. Oh, her because like yeah, she has the figurines. She makes those. Too. Yeah, yeah. But I, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh yeah, this is like some like, Yeah, for a second thingy. I was like, I was like, is that the body? Are they gonna, <laughs> you know? Also, what's unclear to me is why does the demon appear in a Georgetown, DC home, and not. Uh, like I guess tax incentives that would be the reason today <laughs> I thought it was like trying to draw the line of like Marin like unleashed the demon or something or like reawoke it by carving out his little cave of trash I guess like, I, I thought that the goodies. first time the first time I saw the movie, I always thought that. I thought yeah, like, it was like, oh, he found the thing and then suddenly it's like, oh, I just put it in the so world. so terrified. But I don't think that's he, the case. I don't think it's related it's at like all. So it's not related. But like this demon pops up, I guess, and he just knows it when he sees it. And it's because she played with the Ouija board. Maybe we, we need know. to read the oh, book. Oh, with Howdy. Yeah. She was talking Mr. to Howdy. Howdy right. Mr. Howdy, which is... That was scary. Captain Howdy. Captain oh, Captain Howdy. Howdy. Excuse yeah. me. Let me put some respect on Captain Howdy. That was another thing, too, where I was like, oh my gosh, like so much of what I was raised is like, these are the actual rules of like the dark supernatural powers of the world literally came from the omen and the exorcist i was like are you joking yeah ouija boards and like just dumb shit i was like oh my gosh you guys are just pulled this shit from like hollywood yeah that's what's so, so funny about i was so that. disappointed that that, what, that the, the lore didn't go back more yeah, yeah. Like, yeah i was like this is only really recent that wasn't older lore i know that that is what's so funny when you realize oh my rapture ideas came from Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Exactly. Jenkins and Rayford Steele. Like 1989? Yeah. Are we serious? Oh my gosh. Yeah. A little more imagination or personality. <laughs> uh, Mike, are any of the other Exorcist movies worth watching? Or is it just after no, this? Um, it's tough. It's like one of those, it's one of those um, movies where it, it's almost like you kind of wish that none of them existed mm -hmm. because like, like The Shining's legacy is pretty it's 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 up there it, it will always be the shining and yes there mm -hmm. was that other one that was uh, doctor strange that was made a few years ago that was kind of like oh the doctor related. sleep one yeah. doctor sleep sorry <laughs> doctor strange um <laughs> uh and so you kind of like i i view the exorcist as like in that category of like mm -hmm. unimpeachable and somehow like having sequels makes it seem less lesser than because they exist mm -hmm. um uh I haven't seen I haven't seen all of them. I uh, but the the third one I've seen pieces of the third one and I hear okay. it's supposed to be the the there's like a jump scare in it that people love. Um, I saw that on Twitter. Well, yeah. let, let me ask you this: in rewatching, maybe this is like recency bias, but like there's that iconic shot when 
Father Marin, when Father Mark Marin shows up to the house and it's the poster and it's the, the fog and they talked about like mm-hmm. it took yeah. all day to yeah. set it up with all that stuff. Were you disappointed he got there by taxi and not by Vespa? Because watching, I was, I was like, "What? Is, what is this? Like, what kind of two bit? <laughs> yeah, I was like, is this? this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He hailed a cab. And he's like in a oh a four wheel car. Doesn't okay, have his own transportation. He's too delicate for. Got to put a helmet on. Oh, okay, safety first, father. <laughs> Get real. <laughs> Grow up, Marin. <laughs> Didn't Not- go <laughs> all the way over. <laughs> Honking his little horn. And his little glasses and his big old hat. Cuckoo. Uh, Gracious. Anything else we want to say about this movie before we rate it using our special rating system? That's right. So the way this works, Mike, for our finale of Hell Week, Hell Month, excuse me, is we're going to give it a holy roast or a holy toast. Holy toast is thumbs up when we send it to heaven. (laughs) Or thumbs down, holy roast, we send it... And here's the thing. For Hell Month, hell is the good one. Oh, yeah. If you <laughs> like it, you send it to hell. It's opposite day. It's awesome place. We're yeah. devil and Carmen are, are yeah. hanging out and partying. Can't we also have another rating system that we kind of abandoned. This is but very we important. Bring it back. We have to bring it back, especially we, for this one. In addition to rating, you know, Holy Roast or Toast, you also have to rate how scary it was. Mm-hmm. And the metric is... <laughs> One to, to five, five buckets gallons, of piss. Gallons or buckets of gallons piss. Gallons or buckets, Wait, whatever a, you a wish. Piss? Yeah, as if yeah. you pissed yourself so <laughs> oh. much, you filled a whole bucket. Yeah. That's like one bucket, it's like not that bad. What if five is really bad? And if How large are these buckets? Uh, kind they're, of like a normal, maybe like a, they're a gallon. <laughs> I was thinking of like a Home Depot bucket. That's oh my pretty God. big. <laughs> so, I mean, even the baseline is like pretty scary, I guess. So you would have to piss yourself more than you've drank flu wow exactly like, you're bending the laws it's of, demonic yes. well, i don't know if you've been really scared but that can't happen <laughs> it can't happen <laughs> you can pee we more than your bladder of, you have a lot more water in you than you think you do i know you made a horror movie and everything but i don't know if you've read up on how <laughs> horror piss works <laughs> but these are the laws of nature isn't there, wait isn't there something isn't there sorry this is like so off topic but isn't like the percentage of water on the earth the same percentage of water that we have in our bodies yeah yeah that's like about it's mind blowing. Yeah, you're telling me there wasn't a creator behind that. Amen. <laughs> Come on now. He's checked out. That and a banana. <laughs> <laughs> a, a newly breeded banana or whatever the hell it was. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, okay, I'm going to give this a holy roast. Uh, enjoyed it a lot. I mm. thought, like we said, it very grounded, very moving. Were you freaked um, out by the flash of the demon's face when that would pop up? When father, when uh, Damien was remembering his mother, or briefly in the bed, did you see it? I don't know if I did see it. Well, Actually, not- I thought I saw it something, and then I was like, "Nope, I'll go look at that." Uh, so <laughs> that tells you what you need to know. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give this, I think, only two out of five buckets of piss because there were images that were disturbing. I would say, but I slept very well that night so that's a good thing for me wow it's a positive oh yeah we turned to mike uh well sending it to hell means it's good it's good yes. yeah, yeah so i'm sending it to hell yeah. what part of this is confusing <laughs> yeah um and in terms of the buckets uh well <laughs> i i it, it can be subjective it's tough because it's like it, it's, 
<laughs> Sorry. Rating. Thank you. Rating, I'm glad, rating, no, well, no, I'm glad this, you like, take this seriously. It's like, it's like, well, I think it it's just this. It's that like rating, like, like being scared in the, like a bat, like a crazy jump scare that jolts you out of your seat. Right. Right. Is oftentimes just like a reaction to a filmmaking technique rather than something actually being right. scary. There's reflexes. Exactly. You're natural just reflexes. Responding. And then there's like, yeah, it's like uh, someone's like sinking. Yeah. Yeah. Most jump scares are basically just like, it's like the adult version of peekaboo, right? Right. Um, Dexter made you scared. To, you jumped at when Dexter barked at one point tonight. Exactly. Doesn't exactly. mean Dexter's exactly. a master horror filmmaker. <laughs> Dexter's going to haunt you for yeah. a while. <laughs> um, and, but those films may not be as memorable. They may not like exactly. stay with you sure. forever. And I think that the image of his mom on the bed like that that you you mentioned when I asked what's the scariest part like to me that is one of the scariest moments in any movie ever and I it's a real bucket filler well <laughs> as we like, like to say that's the, what we in the biz call bucket filler yes moment. exactly and the but it's like the look on her face like the way that she's like her posture Oof. and the way that they did that is yeah. so chilling that it's like to me that's a five. That's like Whoa. it doesn't get it doesn't get. All right, we're getting closer to the Shining Elevator, piss yeah. wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is like that's an image right. like, like the Shining Elevator. Except the difference Six. is that it's not random. It's like it's like narratively, it's like it's not just like here's a weird thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. It's like based in a logic that the character. It's based in his story. It's story exactly. It yeah, and uh, and so maybe I'm also biased because I also just like really really appreciate the story craft and the filmmaking craft in the movie. So like I just it's I you're giving buckets to... also out of respect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I exactly. love that. It's a respectful piss bucket, obviously, exactly. Caroline. I can't exactly. get it any less than five. Yeah, and, <laughs> for something you and, love. and for and and even like for all the talk about like the the sequels and remakes, like I I am. I will be there opening day for the next for the next for the whatever they do with this the next one because I think man it's such a it's just such a monumental opportunity for whichever filmmaker does that because like man like that the 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 milieu of this of the the sandbox that this movie plays in is just so so deeply terrifying mm-hmm. um and I hope that they uh yeah, I hope they I hope they make something. I hope they Yeah, I hope they take some more chances on the next one. Yeah. 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 What if it's Wes Anderson does the next one? <laughs> I'll be there. That'd be sick. He could be scary maybe. Uh I'm giving it a roast too. I'm giving it three buckets of piss. My bucket filling moment too, like <laughs> that that image. But also <laughs> you love this. <laughs> This is your favorite thing that's ever happened. <laughs> Maybe, should we continue the rating system beyond Hell Month? Might be, might be appropriate. This Amy Grant <laughs> gave me two buckets of piss. Yeah, but these are like joy buckets. Yeah, like, yay. You know, I yeah. love this like, music. You know, like on a roller coaster or something, you know? <laughs> um, also, the idea that uh, his mother's voice was being spoken through the young child. That idea creeps me out so much the idea that like a loved one that's passed away hearing their voice again through mm-hmm. a child that looks like that who's way scarier than the pope's exorcist child yeah i should say yeah she's way creepier looking yeah so props to linda uh, hopefully she literally didn't have a gun to her head uh, i hope that wasn't the case while shooting uh but yeah i'll give it uh, I, what did i say three three buckets you said three. Of mm-hmm. yeah yeah no and i'm sticking by three 
So with that, we conclude. Well, no, we got one more this Friday, actually. That's right. And then on Patreon, on Patreon, we're watching maybe one of the scariest movies ever made. And you're going to find out what that is this Friday. But now let's uh, let's get a little spookier in here. (laughs) We're dimming the lights. We're lighting the candles in here. The priests are gone. They left through the front door, though, not the window. It's okay. (laughs) And Mike on uh, other shows, you might promote yourself or your projects and you can now now that the strike is over but we don't do that we lift them up to the lord by promoting them including maybe the last great thing you saw watched read listened to whatever the case may be in secular culture whatever that might be so be praying on that but first we'll start with caroline uh you can lift me up at caroline's farts and I'm going to lift up a podcast I started listening to. I think someone recommended it, one of our guests recently. It's called Swindled. Um, I, there's like hundreds of episodes. I've only just started it, but it's various stories of con artists, corporate swindling, kind of you name it, various kind of crimes in that vein in America, um, just narrated by this guy. Really fascinating. Oh my God, the Kansas City holiday in disaster um that is a a bucket filler for sure it was horrifying she doesn't say that lightly i do not say that lightly um it was just total like mismanagement of how this building was built and then on like a dance hall big night full of people parts of the building came crashing down and the recovery effort was horrifying. So anyway, if you want to have something to kick off your Halloween, cool. something a real life <laughs> terrible thing to happen, check that out. But Swindled, it's really good. There's mm-hmm. a lot of other stuff that's not like violent or whatever. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Caroline. We'll turn it to Michael. Uh, you can follow me on social media, but I don't really do much there. Um, uh, the thing I've seen... I haven't had that much time to watch a lot. But, I know you've been in the but, trenches. Uh, I did. <laughs> it's not God related media. Is that no, all right? No, it's Fire. you're lifting up something in the secular culture. Oh, so oh, that's oh, exactly oh, the idea. Oh, oh, then the movie is called, it's a movie. It's called death spa. It's about a, Ooh. it's about a gym that's haunted. And, um, it is, it is glorious. It is. If you like films like chopping mall, you would really like death spa. So, my chopping ball no yeah leave it to the imagination to decide what that movie's about <laughs> chopping ball and despot is it streaming anywhere uh it's on shutter or something i think so i mean i have the blu-ray so okay. i don't know yeah so just dm mike and he'll send you yeah, his blu-ray if you want to watch it uh <laughs> it's yeah. probably on amazon everything's on amazon right a lot of stuff is on amazon you watch citadel on amazon the priyanka chopra jonas show that they spent 300 million dollars on have you heard about this show Mm-hmm. I have. They spent a lot of money on it. Yeah. You can watch it there right now. You watch The Voyeurs on Amazon. Oh, you could, yeah. You know? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Mike's last movie. Uh, you can lift me up at Kevin T. Porter everywhere. Oh, gosh. Sorry. The music went away for a second because I got too scared. Mm. What do I want to lift up on this final main feed episode of Hell Month? You know what? I lifted up apples, I think, on the last episode. <laughs> Oh, the fruit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this this week? Hey, call me corny. I'm lifting up bananas. <laughs> I love bananas. 
I've been having a banana sauce recently. I don't like normally want to say this to people, but like you need to watch more TV again. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I uh but what I if there are what if there are <laughs> listeners that have never that have, that are hearing about this for the first time? Yeah, you know? you're, I go, you're so right. That was a really compassionate point one of, of these view. Flyover losers. I've been excluding <laughs> People so who've never heard of it. People you know, experiences. You're right. You're right. Okay. They don't have bananas like we do in the big city. That's so true. Lift up bananas. If you can get California bananas, I pray you can. You know, okay. You, you know what? I'll lift up if, if you're going to challenge me like this. You don't, you don't have to do anything. No, no, no. no. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm saying if my pointing is <laughs> alerting Dexter at all, if he's about to fill my bucket. Um, in the spirit of Halloween, we were talking about Flanagan earlier. Haunting of Hill House is still such a freaking little achievement. Yeah, nowhere for me. Great rewatch, too. That's one of those that improves upon the rewatch. Doesn't fall apart Yeah, on the rewatch. So I'd say that. Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. Eight episodes. A lot of brunette women that all look alike, but on purpose. Would def recommend. You can lift this up at Christian Fun Pod everywhere. Patreon.com slash good Christian fun for more good Christian fun. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Mike, thanks so much for joining Thank us on so the much. show once again. And we'll see you in 2025, King, <laughs> if our release schedule is... That's right. You know, no, next whole month, we'll figure some stuff out. I'll probably text you and be like, what's a movie again? A tour? Explain. We'll come back. I'll talk I'll talk Immaculate. Yes! Well, hopefully it's out by then. That would be lovely. Yeah. And there's nothing left to say except for... Okay, okay I, love I love you, Emma. Emma. Amen. Amen. Now, now watch, watch this drive. drive. What the hell? Oh, I know what we'll go out on. We'll go out on, of course, the classic from this film, Tubular Bells. So, like, Caroline, you you remember a few weeks ago on the podcast on Second Service when I was struggling to make a creepy song? Oh, yeah. Is this what you have in mind? Yeah. Oh, well, I could do this. Can you? But you didn't say, <laughs> you didn't say this. I said, can you make it sound scary? And you went... You're like, oh, scarier. It turns into like a ballad from the 1970s. Okay, I'm going to do this next year. I know how to do it now. Okay, we'll see you next week on Good Christian Fun, where we'll be back into heaven. We're getting out of hell. Say goodbye, the devil. Say goodbye, Carmen. Bye. Good, goodbye to anyone else that might be down here. Goodbye. <laughs>